You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. We're going back to Acts. I know y'all find that hard to believe. Acts 319. Let's let's read this together. We're going back to Acts, and there's a couple things in this in this verse I want us to hit. And then I think we may move on maybe to chapter 4 next week. I'm not sure, but we'll be looking at it. Acts 3.19 says this, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away or wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's in the NIV. The Passion Translation puts it this way, And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed, so that times a refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. There's several things, actually, in this one verse I want us to look at. Tonight. One is the idea of repentance. I preached several weeks ago, actually probably a couple of months ago now, on this whole idea of repentance. But just, just for kind of like review or summary, the word repent in the New Testament literally comes from this Greek word called metanoia, it's the idea of not of changing repentance is the idea of changing your mind, but not just changing your mind, but it's it's a complete change of your heart, of your attitude, of your interest, and your direction. It's actually it's having a um, it's it, part of repentance is having a godly sorrow for sin or against sin. Okay, it's not it, it's repentance is more than just feeling bad that you got caught in sin. You with me? I remember as a kid, there was a lot of times I repented to my parents, but the only reason I was repenting is because I got caught. You tracking with me? So repentance isn't just, isn't just saying I'm sorry for, for the sin that I committed with the whole attitude or mindset, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not really going to change. I'm going to just keep doing that. So repentance isn't just confessing something to God and saying, hey, you know, I'm sorry I did that. If your mindset or if your heart or is still set on continuing just to keep doing that, that's, that's not true biblical repentance. Biblical repentance is, is a sense of, of, of a sorrow for doing that, but it's also literally this idea of making a turn and turning to God from this thing that I was following, from sin. That's, that's the meaning of this word repentance. You with me? So even in this verse, it has this idea of repent and turn to God. It's not just, in other words, the command here isn't just to quit sinning, okay? But it, I mean, it's, you understand that somebody that doesn't know Jesus can quit sinning? Right? I mean, if, if if whatever you think, I don't know. I'm not going to just pick one out. But some somebody that doesn't know Jesus could live a lifestyle that they were sinning, and and just maybe feel some regret, or just kind of get to the point, you know, I'm, I really don't want to keep doing that. And they can stop doing that. They can quit sinning. But repentance isn't just quitting this this act I'm doing. Repentance is quitting that, but turning to God. Okay. I hope, I hope you are tracking with me in that. Um, so it's way more than just a command. It's, it's, it, you, and actually one of the, probably the, the way to repentance is this. 
It's, it's much easier if I, turn, if I realize I don't want to keep going this direction away from God and I turn to God. It's, it's much easier to quit doing the sin that was in my life if I've turned my back to it and I'm facing Jesus. If I'm walking towards him, if I'm going after him, it's much easier for me to stop doing things when I, when I have a purpose that I'm going toward him. Does that make sense to you? In other words, it's just the biblical idea of repentance is a lot more than just stopping sin. It's turning to God, and thus, because I've done that, I've stopped sinning. Now, look at this. There's a kind of a twofold promise here. One, it says, Repent and turn to God. If you do that, what's going to happen according to this verse? Somebody tell me. Your sins will be wiped out. Everybody say wiped out. Some of you are old enough to remember. Wasn't there a song used to be called Wipe Out? You know, how many of y'all around back then? I remember that. I, I knew there was a few, a few of you did. <laughs> Who sang that? The Safaris. I should have known Chris would know that. The Safaris. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, if y'all don't know this, if you ever want to go somewhere and play trivia, that's the guy you want on your side. <laughs> Isn't it, Chris? He has more facts up there than I can even think about remembering. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there's this twofold promise of, of repentance and turning back to God. If you do that, it says that your sins will be wiped out or blotted out. Actually, the Greek word means, it means blotted out. It, 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 it literally means, listen to this, literally means that our sins will be obliterated or canceled. So when I turn to God, when I turn to Jesus to give him my life, this scripture says that my sins, look, look at me for a minute, I was taught or I was raised like this, that when I got saved, that the blood of Jesus basically just kind of covered over my sin. I, I can remember literally hearing sermons about this, that the blood of Jesus covered my sins and, and that when God looked at me, he basically had to look at me through the blood of Jesus. That's the only way he could really look at me because I was a sinner, but the blood of Jesus was covering my sins, so then I could have access to him because of that. Y'all ever heard that? That's, that's, it goes much further than that. That's faulty, okay? My sins, according to this verse and many other verses, are not just covered by the blood of Jesus. According to this, they are what? Wiped out. <laughs> I mean, is that good? I mean, who, would you rather your sins just be, I mean, literally, get the, picture this bomb just coming in and blowing them up, okay? Literally obliterated is what happens to your sins under the blood when we come to Jesus and we repent and turn to God. They get wiped out. I mean, doesn't that, I mean, doesn't that just sound a whole lot better and more exciting than just covered up? <laughs> I mean, you, you realize you can just cover stuff up? Hello? <laughs> I mean, you understand when you just cover up stuff that the stink can still be there? <laughs> Actually, the stink can keep getting worse if it's covered up. And aren't you, I mean, think of, I want you to get this. When, I, when we come to Jesus and we repent and we turn and we come to God, our sins are literally destroyed and wiped out, obliterated. In fact, the scripture says, to remember it against us no more. To separate them from us as far as the east is from the west. That ought to, some, somebody ought to be happy over that. Let's try it again. Somebody ought to be happy over that. 
Y'all going to have to liven up tonight or we're going to be here all night long. I'm going to preach so y'all get happy. So start getting happy quick. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I knew that week rock up. I, I, I want you to get it. Not, not, just, not just covered, not just, not just ignored. God doesn't just say, you know what, now that you've met Jesus, he came and he died for you. So, you know, the sin that's in your life, I'm going to just cover it. I'm going to just kind of ignore it. it it's still there. It's still in, were any of y'all taught that or was I the only one? I, I mean, I literally was taught that as a Christian, the, the blood of Jesus just kind of covered my sin, but I'm still a sinner. Yo, hello? Was I the only one that ever heard that? I, I'm a sinner. fact is, how many of you heard this? I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, we, the better, proper term would be, I used to be a sinner that's now saved by grace. Does that sound better? I don't, I'm not, wow. You see, if I'm still a sinner, saved by grace, thank God for grace, that the blood of Jesus is covering my sin, it's just kind of, you know, over the top, hasn't really dealt with my sin problem, hasn't wiped it out, hasn't removed it, it's still there. I'm still this sinner in my, in my innermost being. I'm just a worm under the toenail. I mean, <laughs> then what do you, if, if, that's, if that's my understanding or that's my mindset or that's my belief of who I am as a Christian, how do you think I'm going to act? You think it? You think it's probably easier for me just to fall right back into sin if I just keep thinking I'm a sinner anyway? Absolutely. I mean, if that's if if I mean if that's my and I'm telling you, I I, I don't want to give you. Any, I, I'd bet you seventy percent or more of Christendom today still thinks they're sinners that are just saved by grace. They're going to get into heaven, but still somewhere deep in their core of their being, they're still just a sinner. If you don't get anything else out of night, get this. If you're saved and you've come to Jesus, you're no longer a sinner. Let's try it again. Somebody, if, if it'll amen, I'll keep, I'll stop. I'll get that you're catching this. <laughs> it's too late now. If, <laughs> if you're saved, if the blood of Jesus has obliterated your sin, okay, it's wiped it out, you're no longer a sinner. You're now a saint. Is that like better? I mean, you want to be known as Sinner Rock or Saint Rock? Sinner, <laughs> Sinner Angela or Saint Angela? I, I, I like the idea of being a saint much more than I do being a sinner. Now, listen to me. Do I still sin? Yes. Occasionally. I don't have to. If I'm a sinner, it's almost like the expectation is you're going to sin. And, but when you do, you know, you can still keep it as long as you confess it and you stay confessed up and, and it'll still be okay. But the, it's, the sense is, if that's who I am, then I'm probably going to lean into that much more than if I recognize, you know what, Paul says the old man is what? Dead. dead. Everybody say dead. dead. Old man is dead. You understand? There are no degrees of death. If you're dead... You're dead. Amen. Your boneyard, dead. 
If, if we are now dead, and my old man is now, Paul says this, I am what? Crucified, which is a symbol of what? Welcome, Paul. Everybody say, hey, Paul. Glad you're here. <laughs> Paul says this, not, you, not this Paul, but the other Paul, Apostle Paul. Although you're an apostle, we're talking about what a saint you are. <laughs> says, I am, and we're on a roll tonight, aren't we? I am crucified with Christ, which means what? I have died, that old man, that old nature, the thing that was prone to sin is now dead, but I am alive unto Jesus. I now have new life. In fact, even in the Old Testament, there's, there's prophecies that talk about where, where God would put a new, come on, help me, a new heart within us. He puts a, everybody say new he puts a new heart. He doesn't just cover over your old one. He gives you a new one. We now have a Spirit of God living in us. We don't, we don't have to, I want to just get this, we don't, have, we don't have to sin anymore. I mean, that's almost the concept that many Christians just live with. Is like, well, I know at some point I'm going to sin. I mean, do you understand that if your brain and your heart believes that you're still just as rotten to the core, good-for-nothing person, that somehow or another the blood's covering it where God doesn't have to see it anymore, but you're really in the core of your nature, you're just a sorry scuzzbag, that you're, that you're, you're probably going to just, you might as well give in to that if that's who I am. Instead of, no, I'm crucified. I'm, my, that, that old guy's dead. I now have a new Jesus. <laughs> When he rose from the grave, what happened to me? I did what? I rose with him. What's that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Fact is, I didn't just rise with him. The scripture says when he ascended into heaven and sitting at the right hand throne of God, that I also am where? Seated at the right hand throne of God. Is my, is my, Man, I wouldn't plan on getting all this. But is my, is my temperament or my mindset or my attitude about sinning, is it different if I'm looking at it from heaven's perspective that I'm seated right there with Jesus? Is that it? Am I going to have a different mindset toward just life and, and sinning and, and all the stuff that's involved with that? If I have that mindset versus the mindset of I'm just some sinner that's a low life that's still there and somehow or another I'm going to make it to heaven. Are you tracking with me? Somebody better say, yeah, we're going to stay here a long time tonight. Amen. <laughs> Two things. Sin's blotted out. and This is what I really want to get to. This is the whole point of the sermon tonight. So that was just... And that was pre. I like that. Where'd you learn that word? <laughs> preamble. Wow, that was a preamble. <laughs> what else happens? Not only are our sins are blotted out, but what else happens if I repent and turn to God? Refreshing, refreshing, <laughs> refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Can you use some of that? Refreshing, I love this verse. I can repent and turn to God so my sins are wiped out. And I, and re, and I can get refreshed. Now look what it says, refreshings. There's time, look what it says, there's times, repent, so that your sins may be wiped, so that times, 
That's a plural, right? What's that mean? It means you can do it more than once. There's times of refreshing. Times of refreshing that come from where? The presence of the Lord. Refreshing can literally be translated, get this, cooling breeze. I was just up in the mountains, and it was hot, <laughs> and I wasn't happy. When I go to the mountains, I want it to be cool with a nice, refreshing breeze as I'm sitting out on the porch drinking my coffee, looking at this, this incredible view of mountains and deer and turkeys and, well, oh, I'm really getting carried away, isn't it? But refreshing can literally, this is cool, can literally be translated cooling breeze. It, it actually has this idea or speaks back to, remember when God created Adam and Eve and they were where? In the Garden of Eden. And it says that God would come along and do what? Walk with them in the cool of the evening. That's what this word is referring to. Is that awesome? I can, you and I, you and I can experience what Adam experienced walking in the cool of the garden with God and his presence. You, you and I can experience that cooling breeze, that time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. I just, I love that, man. That just, I don't know, maybe it's just because I like cool, refreshing breezes. But <laughs> isn't that better than just some hot day <laughs> that's 99.99% humidity? David says this in Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Verse 4, one thing <laughs> I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David's saying this, my heart, though, the, though, the, though, the, though my enemies surround me, though there's war against me, though, they're, though I'm fighting, though there's all this stuff going on, there's still this one thing, that David says, my heart cries out one thing, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about, at that point in time, dwelling in God. The house of the Lord was the tabernacle that stood for what? Who was there? Who was in the tabernacle? God. Everybody say God. God was in the, ta the tabernacle in the Old Testament time, literally stood for this place. And when David's time, he was restoring, in fact, as it talks about him restoring the tabernacle of David. It was this temporary tabernacle. But even at that, the God's presence was in that tent. He was in that tabernacle, in that, in that place. And David's saying this, one thing, I don't care... Everything else can be going on in my life. All hell can be coming against me. I can be having problems. There can be trials. There can be stuff happening. But there's one thing, one thing that I desire, that I can dwell in the presence of God. 
When we dwell in His presence, according to what we were reading in Acts, what happens? Times of refreshing come from where? From the presence of God is where the times are refreshing. Now listen to me. Times are, let's say it again. Times of refreshing come from what? The presence of God. Not from what He's giving us. Not from what is in His hand. Not from what He can do for us. How much of our prayer time is asking God, fix this, solve this, do this, take care of this problem? And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. God tells us to come and pray those kind of prayers. But much of our prayer life ought to be spent just doing nothing but seeking and enjoying and being in the presence of God. Because when we're in His presence, what happens? Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. The cool breeze of walking. Get that picture. You and Jesus walking in the cool of the day in the garden surrounded by beauty with nothing else around. I mean, is that, is that what a picture that is of the times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord? I love the idea that it's times, plural. It's not just once. This isn't something you just get, you know, you're limited, and God says, okay, I'll give you one day a year. <laughs> right? I mean, how often does God want us to spend in those times of refreshing? How about all the time? <laughs> How about he wants us to walk in that? He wants us to walk in his presence. Remember Paul? Not this Paul, but the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Got to differentiate because Paul's such close to being that apostle. <laughs> remember, remember him making a statement? I mean, when I think, I mean, if you probably if I asked you guys, I mean, if you just thought of one New Testament person, one New Testament character that you thought probably exemplified more than any other character in the Scripture, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, most of you would probably say Paul, right? Apostle Paul. I mean, he, he, he wrote, penned most of the New Testament. I personally like Peter because he was always getting in trouble. Uh, for some reason or other, I can relate to that. I'm not real sure why. But, but the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was just a, I mean, he just was this guy. He was a committed. He was a follower of Jesus. He, he was beaten and whipped and stoned and shipwrecked. And he still kept on pushing toward Christ and following Jesus. And he made disciples and he planted churches all over the countryside. And, and just, I mean, it was, he just was this guy that was a follower, committed follower of Jesus. And yet the Apostle Paul makes this statement in Philippians. He says, I press on that I might Know him. Paul says, my, basically what he said, my goal, my purpose, my goal, my one desire, as David would say, is that I might know him. And know isn't just intellectually know it. It's this idea, it's actually used in Genesis and through the scripture of intimacy, of sexual intimacy. Adam knew his wife. It talks about that type of knowledge is what Paul said. And I might have that personal, personable, personal intimacy with God. I press on to know Him. And the writer of Acts is saying, hey guys, if we repent and turn to God, we, we can have those same kinds of times of refreshing from Him, from Jesus, from God, just being in His presence. Isaiah 51 says this. I'm skipping a couple of verses. Pete, you'll have to catch up a few slides there. Isaiah 51 says this. If anyone is thirsty... What's he supposed to do? 
Made me thirsty just thinking about it. <laughs> if anyone's thirsty, what? Come and drink. Come and drink. <laughs> Jesus says this in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for what? They will be filled. In other words, one of the... The way we get filled is to do what? <laughs> That's good. The way to get filled is to drink. But how do you drink? You come and drink. You pursue. You go after him. You, you come to the fountain. If the fountain's flowing over there, and that's where the water's at, where you got to go to get the water? Where the fountain's at? Jesus is the fountain of life. If we want life, where do we go? To him. He's the one that's going to refresh us. He's the one that's going to pour it out on us. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst, for they will be filled. I love that promise. He doesn't say we're just going to keep being hungry or thirsty, but we'll be filled. David says this in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in the dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Jesus says this in John, says this, I am the bread of life. Who who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst again. In John 7, he says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Where do you think those rivers of living water come from? From his presence. They flow out of him into you, and where do they go from there? They're supposed to what? Flow right back out. You tracking? Flow in, flow out. Anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He believes in me, the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He was speaking concerning the Spirit, is what the scripture says. Hosea says this. <laughs> Did I put that right up there? Hoses. That's what I have here too. <laughs> Hoses four, chapter four, verse six, and the Passion Translation. Well, you were talking about water. Huh? We we're talking about water. That's true. That's true. Now you go see. I did that on purpose. I knew I was talking about water. And in most of our day, we could drink from hoses, and it didn't kill us. Now, you could die, I guess, from drinking from water, hoses and water, water and hoses. That's supposed to be Hosea, chapter 4, verse 6. The, the, the passion trend. Did he fix it? Man, don't see, don't you just love that? He's good, isn't he? Give him a hand. <laughs> Hosea, would you fix mine too while you're at it? My people, listen to this, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. What an indictment against, and who's, pay attention to this, who's he, who's he, who's he talking to here? Who's my people? His people. At this point in time, Hosea, who is he talking about, basically? Israel. He was talking about the nation of Israel. But now, basically, if you apply that into the New Testament, what I wanted to get, he's not talking about lost people here. Okay, he's not talking about people that don't know God, that aren't part of his family. He's talking about his people. 
That's us in this day and time. That's the church. That's the followers of Christ. Are destroyed, being, they're being destroyed. Now again, this is an eternal damnation. This is basically, this. picture it, instead of times of refreshing, it's times of destruction. <laughs> Just the opposite. I mean, can you be saved? Can you know Jesus and not walk in refreshing? Absolutely. Times of destruction. God says, my people are getting destroyed. Why? Because they don't know my word? Is that what it says? Because they don't know me. God says it's because they don't know me. They don't have a relationship with me. Do you understand that it's possible? To, you, I, don't, I wish I, I don't even have my Bible. I hate holding this thing up. You understand it's possible to have the Bible? You, you can have the scripture memorized and still not know God. I mean, you can, quote, you can quote Bible verses and still not know God. You can have all the right answers and still not know Him. God said, you got to know me. It's refreshing comes from Him. Knowing Him is where life comes from. That's where the joy of the Lord's presence is what is our strength. He's the one that fills us. It's, it's, it's him that we get life from. And I just, I, I don't know, when I, when I read these scriptures, and I think like the, the I, I was going to hit more on the one, where'd it go, where it's, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I mean, what, I mean, do we live in that day and time? I mean, I, listen, to it, it's, it's, it's astounding to me. How and, and it shouldn't be. We should understand. I mean, scripture talks about in the last days, people are going to follow this and follow that and follow the other. And they're, they're going to be blinded. They won't. They will have blinders on. They can't see. But some of the stuff that people are following and listening to and agreeing with, and you look at it, and you go, "How can they? How can somebody be so blind? How can they? How can they not see that? How can you not see the path that if you follow that path, this is where you're going to go?" And they just they just follow it blindly and march right off the cliff. And, and, but the word says they're going to be destroyed because of lack of knowledge. But the knowledge, again, isn't just knowledge for the brain. But it's, a, it's a heart knowledge. It's knowing God. My people are destroyed because they don't know me. I, I love that verse in, in Acts where times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Who needs that? Any of y'all? <laughs> Me too. Let's stand up. One of the best ways I know to enter into the Lord's presence is through worship. And it's not just necessarily even singing or music. I mean, you can worship the Lord just by seeing His beauty, by being out in a cool day. But, I mean, but worship is what brings you in to God's presence. And as we enter into his presence, we're going to receive refreshing. And the, the good news, people, is we can, you and I get to do that any time, any day. Amen? I mean, literally. I mean, you can, any time, any day, we can, we can come into God's presence. We, the scripture says we can draw boldly before him. You can, you can, 
You can even have messed up, screwed up, sinned, done something wrong that morning and still come before the presence of the Lord. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Because he took care of your sin. He obliterated it. So we can come before him. We can come into his presence. We can come before him and receive. And just It's being in his presence that gives you times of refreshing. It's just being with God. Have you ever, any of y'all ever experienced that? Uh, there are times in your life where literally, I mean, literally, literally it feels like a cool breeze. And you just, it's like a washing. And you just, you just sense the, the spirit of God washing over you and refreshing you and restoring you and giving you life and lifting you up and taking you. I mean, this, the scripture talks about the, the, the sacrifice of praise and that, that praise going against or standing against the spirit of heaviness. And it's like when, when we're depressed and discouraged, any of y'all ever get discouraged? Once in a while? <laughs> when we're discouraged, we have an answer. We can come before God. We can come into his presence and receive refreshing. So my encouragement is, is just you know, go to God. Spend time there and wait and wait until you get refreshed. Don't just rush in and rush out. I knew in the first part of my life as a Christian, that was, that was the way I did quiet time. It was, I had, it was a duty. You know, you had these boxes you had to check off because if you were a Christian, you were to be holy. You had to do this and do this. And so I checked all those boxes and I'd rush in and rush out and, and, and really never really experienced much. That's when I began to understand that, hey, I can just come. I mean, there's times you can come and really just say nothing. Just come and just be still and be quiet. And just, and just wait. Just say, God, you know what? I'm just, I'm coming. I don't have any other agenda, Dad, than to just wait on you. That's my agenda. Have some of those times. Put some of those times aside. God, I got some needs. I got some things I need to pray about. I got some things I wish you'd take care of and fix. But you know what, Lord, right now, my agenda, my main purpose right now I just, I just want to be in your presence. I just encourage you to do that. Set aside time. Make time. Somehow or another, make time. Get up earlier if you have to. Go to bed later if you have to. Skip lunch. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> I'm telling you, the presence of God is so much better than a Big Mac whatever else it is you eat for lunch. So dad, we just, we thank you that we have the promises of your word, Lord. And not only the promises of your word, but Father, we've experienced, Lord, we have the experience of times where we've been in your presence and we've received that coolness, that cool breeze, that refreshing that comes from your presence. Father, we just ask even now, Lord, we just invite your presence. I invite you to come, Lord. I just encourage right now, just take a minute. You know, God, you don't have to spend eight hours waiting. I mean, you literally can walk right into the presence of God. I just encourage you, but just take this minute. Take a moment. Just let, let him come. Holy Spirit, come.
Dad, we want your presence. We ask you to come and just bring your coolness, Lord. Bring your, that refreshing that comes from you. Come and touch lives, Lord. Touch hearts, Lord. Touch, the, touch those that have hurts and wounds and needs and pressing issues in their life, Lord. Just come. Come, Holy Spirit. song that Angela's playing is an old vineyard song, more love, more power, and more of you in my life. That's so much more than just an old song. It literally can be what we walk in every day, more of him in our lives. I can honestly say that there's nothing in my life I've ever experienced that more of him doesn't take care of. <laughs> Can you? Isn't that true? I mean, any hardship, any trial, any test, anything I've gone through, more of, more of God, more of Jesus is always the answer to what I need. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the answer, Lord. Thank you that you so freely give of yourself to us, Lord. You said in your word to seek you while you may be found, Lord, that you will be found, Lord, that we, you don't play games, you don't hide from us, Dad. We can just come seeking and you'll let yourself be found. So, and we just delight in that. We delight in you, Lord. We pray for more, or more of you. Dad, remind us, Lord. I pray that you would just, Holy Spirit, you would remind each of us that tomorrow, the next day, and during the week when there's things that come in our lives, remind us Lord, to turn to you. Lord, remind us that you are the answer. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.